From the Aromatic Studios of PBS 39 at the PPNL Public Media Center in Bethlehem, PA, it's time for another repellent episode of Chemical Free Horticultural Hijinks. You bet your garden. I'm your host, Mike McGrath. Rosemary is a remarkable plant, but does it have the power to deter insect pests? On today's show, we'll reveal Rosemary's true abilities of alertness and memory and review which plants can repel human pests like mosquitoes just in time for planting. Otherwise, it's a fabulous phone call show, Cats and Kittens. That's right, potential guests are busy buying time. So we will take that heap and help it. Of your telecommunicated questions, comments, tips, tricks, suggestions, and fiendishly foretelling formulations. So keep your eyes and or ears right here because it's all coming up faster than you remembering where you planted everything for a change right after this. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Rodale Institute. Since 1947, the Rodale Institute has been growing the organic movement through research, farmer training, and consumer education. Learn more about local events, workshops, and tours at rodaleinstitute.org. The Rodale Institute, because the future is organic. Welcome to another thrilling episode of You Bet Your Garden from PBS 39 in beautiful Bethlehem, PA. I'm your host, Mike McGrath. Coming up later in the show, can growing rosemary in your garden repel insect pests? And are there any plants that can really repel insect pests? Yes, there are, but you have to use them correctly. We'll tell you how to do that after lots of your fabulous phone calls at 833-727-9588. Christy, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Thank you. Well, thank you, Christy. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? I am just ducky, thank you for asking. Where is Christy great? I live in Alberta, Pennsylvania. I know where that is. I have once or twice been found at the Iron Horse Tavern there. (laughs) So what can we do for Christy in Albertus? So I have a mystery plant that I received. Um, it was a gift mm-hmm. that I got through a like a service, a 1-800-Flowers, right. that came to my house. I'm not really sure what it is. Um, I have a really terrible brown thumb, uh-huh. and I'm not really sure how to take care of it either. What was the, what was the gifting occasion? Um, it was actually for a family member that passed. It was sent to me. So Okay. Now, mm-hmm. is this a bunch of different plants in a dish, or is it, um, you know, because generally with that, they'll send an arrangement. If it's live plants, there'll be four or five kind of tropical house plants in. Um, it in, doesn't really look tropical. It okay. The, the bottom of it says that it's a lilac, but I'm not really sure that's what it is. Oh, that would be interesting. What, what size pot is it in? Is it in a traditionally sized pot or a dish? It's a tr- more of a traditional size pot. And of course, no, um, no, no tag, no help, no assistance. No, no. Okay. How long have you had it? <laughs> um, about a month. Okay. And what have you been doing with it? Just watering it and keeping it kind of in not direct sunlight, but the window that's near what where the sun comes in during the day. Okay, that's not the worst thing you you can do. Okay, so you sent us a picture. I can mm-hmm. see it now. Um, 
I'm, I'm seeing glossy green leaves. I'm also seeing what appear to be um, expended flower spikes, for lack of a better word. Um, was it blooming when you got it? Not, not really, no. So they, they sent you a plant that had finished blooming? Well, it, 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 there was nothing really blooming on the top of it. it okay, just, but you can see where I mean, right? Yeah. There's mm -hmm. kind of stick-like things coming in, out that once mm -hmm. held flowers. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're not, well, I mean, these plants can come from anywhere, but um, right now is the, is the peak bloom time um, for lilacs. But, you know, something like that, maybe they just push them, they force them all year long. So did, did you save the anything, the card, the shipping crate, anything like that? There was a little tag inside that said how to take care of a bunch of different flowering plants, but it didn't say which one it was. So <laughs> I've been trying to guess. That's like, that's, that's, that's like my friend, the magic eight ball here. All, all he ever says is ask again later. There's, there's never a real answer there. Well, uh, obviously you have the option of calling up the people, trying to find them online or calling the 800 number and reading okay. them. It just says lilac underneath, just five letters? Right. Well, the picture that you see, if you can see the pot that it's in, yeah. the picture that's on the outside of that pot is pictures of lilacs, and it says lilac on it. Okay. But I'm not sure that's what is what it actually is. Would you like to have a lilac? <laughs> Maybe. Okay. <laughs> I'm just trying my best and trying to figure out what I'm doing wrong with this with this plant. Okay, why do you assume you're doing something wrong? Because <laughs> I've never kept anything alive. <laughs> okay. Well, it's still alive, Christy. Oh, so, fa so far, you're batting a thousand, girl. Don't, you know. All right, so let's presume it, it is a lilac. You can, you can check that out. Do you have a space outdoors for a plant that uh, literally should grow into a, a fairly large flowering shrub? I do. I have a space. And mm -hmm. does it get good sun? Uh, if I were to plant it, it would be under trees. Yeah. Probably. Okay, yeah. so then you wouldn't get any lilacs. That wouldn't work out. How okay. about uh, neighbors, family that lives in the area, family that lives relatively nearby with a big yard? Uh, I have family about an hour south. So. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. South. So mm -hmm. wh where are they? In, in Philly? Conchahawken. Conchahawken. Okay, mm -hmm. suburb yeah. of Philly. And mm -hmm. they have room? They have a yard, yeah. Okay. That, that would work. Uh, mm -hmm. And you have visitation rights. There's... I do. There's no family do. It's issues my, it's here. It's my stepdad, yeah. It's, it oh, okay. Yeah. Um, well, that, that's my suggestion. Unless they tell you differently, if you choose to do some detective work, I would take it over to your dad's house. A lilacs like full sun, and they like to be away from other plants. They can be real drama queens. But okay. But if, if you treat them nicely, you, the fragrance and the blooms, my lilac is a blooming right now and it's just anytime I'm, I'm outside and I'm depressed about my weeds I just grab one of those suckers and inhale them and I'm I'm good for another hour of weed whacking so okay. um, dig a wide hole not a deep one as we will constantly repeat this spring um, plant it higher a little higher than it was in the pot don't improve the soil in the planting hole fill the hole back up with the soil you dug out but then find some good yard waste compost. You know, whether you have some compost, whether a friend has compost, your stepdad, or buy a bag of premium compost, you'll never be sorry that you did. 
and then give it a two-inch mulch of compost. And because it's a new planting, it's very important that your stepdad, uh, well, first, after you put it in the hole, you want to take a, a garden hose out to it, turn the hose nozzle to just drip like an annoying motel room faucet, and mm -hmm. put it at the base of the plant, let it drip there for several hours, and ask your stepdad to do that once a week if we don't get lots of rain. Okay. And it may take a while to become established, even though it appears to have bloomed like a month before you got it. What nice timing, you know. Um, maybe they got it half, half price. You know, used to be a lilac special this week. Um, it'll, take a, it'll take a couple of years to get established in the ground. It will grow taller. Um, it will lose its leaves over the winter. And, but in the spring, about three or four years from now, it will start to put out the most amazing purple flowers. So that's the name of that game. Wow. All right, but Sounds it's not a house plant. Okay. It needs Good a period know. of, it needs to experience the seasons and winter dormancy. Okay. Good to know. Thank you. All right. My pleasure. Thank right. you, Christy. 833-727-9588. Sarah, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Hi, Mike. Thank you for taking my call. Well, thank you for making it, Sarah. How are you? Very good. I'm having a great day. How about you? I am just ducky, thank you. Where is Sarah having a great day? I'm in Hocassin, Delaware. Okay, very good. What can we do for Sarah in Delaware? Well, I have um, two potted plants that I was looking to plant outside. They are both pussy willows. Ah. I forced them to grow roots in water from the uh, from the cuttings that I got from the flower show last year in Philly. Right. And I was hoping to plant them in the ground, but I know that the uh, that pussy willows have to be planted far away from water lines because they grow roots that are pretty far down into the ground and, and spread out very well, too. Yeah, that's all willows. Now, Let's back up for a minute because it is fun uh, to put plants that root easily into water and watch all those huge white roots come out. Um, mm -hmm. Are they still in water or did you change them over to soil at some point? Oh, no. Once the roots were a few inches long, I put them into soil. They've been in soil for over a year. It was not from last flower show, but the one before. Okay. So they've actually been outdoors um, since that time. They, they survived the last winter. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're very hardy plants. Um, did you say they spent the winter outside in their pots? Yes, they did. We put them in a bunch of, we put a bunch of our pots together of the plants that we didn't have space to bring indoors. Right. And uh, kept them in a sunny location close to the house and, and sort of put leaf mulch over the top and, and around and, and in between, hoping to keep them warm enough. Well, it's not so much keeping them warm enough. You did well, by the way. Um, mm -hmm. What you're doing is you're preventing uh, rapid temperature changes, like especially in the sun. If it goes down to 30 that night and then 3 o'clock in the afternoon, bright sun, the plants are all warmed up, then they go crashing down. So really, the idea of mulch is to keep the temperature fairly constant at the root level. As you, as you know, you can't keep them warm, um, right, right. but you can keep them not. from being on the roller coaster. Yeah, and this was a sign of just how hardy these plants are. <clears throat> I do have a pussy willow in my 
um, in my garden. It was along the side of the house. And when we had to do the renovations, we had to pull that pussy willow out of there. And I just took cuttings from it and stuck them in the ground. And every place I stuck them, the, um, the pussy willow grew. So now we're talking about advantageous roots and water lines. Um, pussy willow roots, willow roots, um, maple roots, that, uh, plants that have a bad reputation. Oh, they wrap themselves around your pipes and crack them. It's actually the opposite. What happens is with plants like this that have a lot of root system, that like to process a lot of water, they will look for water. And if you're underwater lines, either going into the house or your waste pipe coming out, already has a crack in it and it's leaking, they'll be attracted there. And then they'll eventually get themselves inside. This is not as huge a situation as people think. It's like the old Roto-Rooter thing. Um, there are many services that can come out to your house and not for a ridiculous amount of money. They'll send a camera down the line and then if it's filled with roots, um, they'll just send a saw down there, essentially a circular saw, and push all the root systems out in, into the drainage area. But then, <clears throat> when you take the camera back out, you can see if there's a crack, you know, especially if you have old terracotta piping or anything like that. And this tells you that you're losing water or your wastewater is going into the groundwater but then you know exactly where it is and you can dig it up and do that replacement part there. So it is wise to plant them as far away from these areas as possible, but it's really, it, it's almost like the situation with carpenter ants who don't eat sound wood. If you see carpenter ants eating your house, that means your house was starting to rot. So these trees, more than anything will tell you if you have a, um, an existing problem. Although I like the idea of Swamp Thing and Superman like with you know, super strength wrapping around your pipes and crushing them. You know. <laughs> what, uh, with, now with pussy willows, yours are growing upright, right? I have, um, I've staked them a little bit within the pots so that they'll grow upright. Okay. Um, are you, you know, how far away from water lines can you place these things? I can probably place them about uh, maybe 30 feet. Okay. And um, do you know the final height? Are, are they uh, curly willows? Are they some sort of super special colored ones or something? Well, they were marked as scarab variety. I think they're the American species. The mm -hmm. catkins are pretty small, but the shells that were over them when we bought them were, um, were black and dark red and dark brown. Well, that sounds cool. Yeah. So here's, here's my advice. Obviously, plant them uh, as far away from water lines as you can. Don't worry about it, but pussy willows are also easy to keep manageable. You can, after they're done blooming, which would be around this time of year, you can cut them back by a foot. Any part of the plant that is in full sun is going to bloom again the following year. And one of the great advantages of pussy willows is they, they're some of the earliest plants to bloom 
in the late winter, early spring, and you'll be amazed at the native bees who come to them. Native bees are active on every warm day, and when it gets to the end of winter, they love having pussy willow around, or, or any kind of willow, um, because there's the pollen in it is remarkable, and it's a great way to establish a pollinator garden. Oh, that's lovely. I look forward to it. Yeah. So just <clears throat> keep it in bounds because it's it will it will easily grow taller than your house if you don't. So okay. every year around this time of year, you know, just cut it back by a foot or so. I, I would even follow the rule for um, uh, crepe myrtle and maybe cut it back every year to the size it was at the beginning of the year. Okay. Well, thank you very much. All right. Thank you. Good luck. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, it's time for me to take a little break and announce that I will appear once again at one of my favorite annual events, the Burlington County Earth Fair at Historic Smithville Park in East Ampton, New Jersey. This year's event is going to be held on Sunday, June 9th, and it is a full day of family-friendly events, music, food, and me. But don't go looking for all the details at the events section of our website just yet, because we'll be right back with the power of Rosemary and more of your powerful phone calls. I'm Mike McGrath, and you're listening to You Bet Your Garden from PBS 39 in Bethlehem, PA. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma Natural Gardening Community can be found at ESPOMA.com. Welcome back to You Bet Your Garden from PBS 39 in beautiful Christmas city of Bethlehem, PA. I'm your host, beautiful Mike McGrath. Coming up later in the show, can rosemary repel insects in a vegetable garden? And if not, what plants really do repel insects and how do you use them? We will answer all those questions after a couple more of your fascinating phone calls at 833-727-9588. John, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Oh, good morning, Mike. How are you? I'm just fine, John. How are you today, sir? not too bad. Where is John not too bad? Okay, I live in southeast uh, Pennsylvania near Morgantown. Oh, okay, very good, up in cold country. Yes, uh, somewhat south of cold country. Okay, very good. What can we do for John in southeast Pennsylvania? All right, I'd like your opinion on replacing some 20-year-old Leland cypress trees that actually scream one side of my property on the edge and I had two landscapers come out, and they told me to replace them with green giant arbs, that the deer will not eat them. And I had two other landscapers come out and tell me to replace them with Leland cypress, again, because the deer will not eat them. Okay, so Leland cypress is a form of a cypress tree, but it is very upright and slender like the arborvitae. Um, yeah. Green Giant Arborvitae is an improved variety. I think it was actually um, a gold medal plant from the Pennsylvania Horticultural Society um, that people hoped deer would not eat the way they eat other Arborvitae, which is one of their favorite foods. Um, but I don't know that that proved to be true. And Leyland Cypress is felt to be a bit more 
uh, deer resistant. Now, uh, did deer eat your Leyland cypress so far? Uh, at this point, no, they haven't. Oh, why do you want to replace them? Actually, they were grown too close together, and they were drying out on the bottom, you know, like eight, ten foot up, and everything got dry, and it's breaking off. The top of the tree looks beautiful. If I could cut that off and replant them in the ground, it'd be fine. But other than that, they're just drying out or, uh, you know, being planted too close together. There's no sunlight coming through. Well, yeah, it's not so much that they're too close together, um, because even though I advocate a different planting style, kind of like lining up pool balls in the rack, um, you do see a lot of arborvitae and Leyland cypress that are planted right next to each other, and they're doing fine. You've actually identified the problem. It's not drying out. It is an issue that happens with all evergreens. When they can't get sun down at the base, the greenery dries off, um, uh, dies off down there. You got me thinking it's dry. Uh, the greenery dies off down there, but the top of the plant that can escape into the sunlight um, does really well. So the bad news here is any kind of planting of an evergreen type plant, and I mean any kind of evergreen, blue spruce, um, anything like the white pine, uh, if they don't get sun down at their base, they do lose those bottom branches, they brown out. Now some people don't mind this, they get sick of banging into those branches when they're mowing, but I can see what you mean if this is in front of your house, um, you, you're, it doesn't look real good down at the base, right? That's correct. But the trees are healthy? The trees look kind of healthy and everything like that, except for the base. And actually, we want it to shield uh, our neighbor's property they put an above-ground pool. Right. And uh, they the side where they put the pool, they don't do anything to it. So it's very unsightly. Okay. Storage, you know. So um, here's what I'm going to suggest. First of all, I would not get rid of your existing plants. I think you'd, uh -huh. you'd be crazy to do that. Because, again, you're going to get that loss of the limbs down at the bottom no matter what. Uh -huh. um, I would investigate. You know, there's another plant that I often uh, advocate for screening purposes um, that's not overly tall, but it's kind of bulletproof, which uh -huh. is ornamental grasses. Uh -huh. Ornamental grasses don't need as much sun. And were you to plant a row or even a staggered row of ornamental grasses in front of your arborvitae, you'd, you'd have a really interesting look. You'd have this somewhat lower to the ground, um, very dramatic plant that develops plumage um, later on in the season. And then behind it, you'd have your, your towering arbs. Now, how towering are your arbs? Uh, the arbs are probably 15 to 20 foot right now. So the issue here is if you want everything to match, you, you're going to have to buy arborvitae of the same size, which can be done. You can buy plants of any size. Obviously, once you get up past 10 feet or so, the expense becomes greater. Um, but if it's not going to be continuous, like I'm, I'm imagining we're a 90-degree corner here. Basically, it's a straight line. Basically, it's a straight yeah. line. Yes. Um, 
Well, I mean, how much money you got, John? You, you want to buy mature arborvitae of the same species, put them in the ground? You've had good luck with them so far. I, I would think that it would be almost a, an, instant, um, an instant solution. The other issue is if you buy, quote, normal size ones that are six or seven feet tall now, um, they're, they're not going to even up. Your existing ones are going to continue to grow, and it's very difficult to reduce them in height. It can be done, but you got to be up there. Um, you got to be selecting new leaders all the time. You can't just go up with a chainsaw and cut the tops off. I mean, you can, but it'll look ugly for a few years, and then everything yeah. will die. And uh, there's, yeah. there's really no other screening plants um, that do that kind of a job that people like that much that are going to grow at a pretty good rate for you. The other problem is over on the side where this is, it gets kind of soggy if we have a heavy rainstorm and everything like that. And my neighbor's drain from their gutters pours over into that area. Now, I don't know if that will have anything to do with uh, rotting anything out with the roots or anything like oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, that'll kill them. That will kill them. Yeah. Um, how about a physical barrier? How about a fence or something like that? I do have a physical a barrier. I have a, a two-rung uh, fence uh, put in, a vinyl fence and everything like that, uh, or a boundary line or whatever. But we still wanted some privacy and everything like that, that we don't see them in their pool or anything like that. Oh, they're not attractive people, huh, John? Yeah. Uh, they're assets. I have my little place here. I put my little place uh, with a patio room in the back here. I can sit and enjoy myself and listen to what I want to music-wise mm -hmm. or whatever. And uh, they have their grandchildren over and fine and dandy, but uh, it's just uh, a privacy issue. Are you handy? Uh, yes, yes. Okay. So riddle me this. This is only going to be an issue in the summertime. Yes. Okay. So we got this vinyl fence that I'm presuming is like six feet tall? Uh, no, no, it's a vinyl fence. It's a uh, split rail. Oh, okay. How, how tall is it? Uh, three and a half, four foot. Okay. So it needs to be taller, obviously. Yes. yes. How, how big do you think we need to go here? Oh, my God, uh, Mike, I'd have to go probably 10 to 12 foot. Okay. So hmm, that's watering. The only thing I can think of other than, you know, buying full-grown well, okay, so drainage. First of all, he's not allowed to do that. You can reroute his gutter water with a trench or a drain tiles really easily. And if that's the only reason it's ponding there, you should do that because that's not going to be good that close to your house. It's not good for anything. So you can intercept that on the other side of your property line, on your side, with a simple trench filled with stones or get a landscaper to come in and do drain tiles to carry the water away. That's not a big issue. So then you get your big trees. Um, otherwise, what I'm thinking is we build the fence higher to begin with, okay? Maybe double the height of the fence. And then what I was thinking is get a number of really strong, sturdy, hanging baskets and run poles up the side of the fence so that at the top of the fence 
you've got these hanging baskets, which will be filled, of course, with trailing plants. And they can be up like nine feet in the air. And the trailing will come down to the top of the fence. And it won't be a complete barrier, but it'll break up the view. Or it may work out even better than I'm thinking of and break up the view. Um, and the only issue would be you'd have to go to one of these specialty catalogs or to a garden center and get one of those long wands that will allow you to water the hanging baskets up there during dry times, which is not the All worst right. thing. But if you're handy and you've got a split rail fence, you can run iron rods up there and put a shepherd's hook on the top of each rod, put the hanging baskets up there. It, it, it would be an instant improvement. All right. I appreciate it. Thank you very much, Mike. All right. Take care, man. All right, the number to call, 833-727-9588. Ashley, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Thank you. Well, thank you, Ashley. How are you? Good. How are you? I am just ducky, thanks for asking. Where is Ashley Good? In Philadelphia, the Fairmount area. Okay, uh, near the Art Museum? Yes, right near the Art Museum. Okay, that's a really nice area there. What can we yeah. do? Uh, yeah, because you can walk right to the East River Drive. You know, you right. could have your picture taken with the Rocky statue every day. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, what can we do for Ashley in the Art Museum area of Philadelphia? Um, well, I have a small community garden plot, about 10 by 10. Mm -hmm. And last year, which was the first year I did it, I planted some flowers and vegetables including broccoli and Brussels sprouts. Mm -hmm. They started to grow really well, but then one day they were covered in bugs, and then after that it what looked like to be a white mold. So I did a little quick Google search, and it, I found something called harlequin bugs that looked similar to what was all over the plant. Um, and I ended up just pulling them out and throwing them out because they didn't seem like we could really... I don't know, resuscitate them. Okay. And I wanted to try to plant them again this year, but I wasn't sure what I could do to prevent the same thing from happening again. Well, you're running a little late, you know. Broccoli and Brussels sprouts are cool weather crops. Um, you know, they yeah. they should be they should be put out when lettuce and spinach are put out back in Okay. You know, back in April, um, early April. And, you know, broccoli generally gives you some kind of a head pretty quickly before the weather gets hot. Brussels sprouts have to grow the whole season before you okay. can really get production from them. Now, harlequin bugs are, are, are a type of stink bug. And okay. So I'm presuming that you had just basic uh, marmorated stink bugs or gray stink bugs or brown ones? Or did you have the, yeah. bright, or did you have the brightly colored ones? Well, the ones that were all over the plants did look brightly colored, like they had some red on them. Yeah. They looked a little bit brighter than the other stink bugs I've seen. Okay. Other places. Now, what about your neighbors in this community garden? Did they have the same problem? I didn't see I didn't see them anywhere else, and they weren't on anything else that we had in the garden other than the Brussels sprouts and the broccoli, which were right next to each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, uh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I mean, I think we definitely probably, we planted them around this time last year, which was probably the first first problem. Right. But, yeah, it only seemed like the bugs and that mold were right on these plants, not anything else. Um, and it, are the plants crowded together in general? They were. I mean, they grew a lot bigger than I thought, so they were uh -huh. pretty crowded. They always yeah. grow bigger than you think. 
Um, yeah. So last year being a wet year and you having a crowded garden, you know, that's where the mold came from. And all the plants were stressed last year, and insects like this are always attracted to stressed plants. Uh, do, did you feed your uh, your garden at all? Um, I mean, didn't we didn't really add anything other than just some like basic fertilizer. Okay, there is no such yeah. thing. Tell me what you used. Um, it was whatever was provided in the garden, which I'm not sure exactly what was in there. Oh. Well, like was it compost? Had some. Something yeah, in a bag, something in a box? Yeah, I think it was just a compost that they kind of put out in the middle of the garden for everybody to use. Okay, so it looked like soil? Yeah, yeah it did. Oh, okay. And you spread it yeah. like an inch on top of your um, raised bed? Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. And the broccoli and Brussels sprouts, did you put seeds in the ground? Did you start with plants? started with plants. I bought the little, you know, four-pack of plants and started with that. Okay. Uh, broccoli should have gone in really long ago. You can plant the okay. Brussels, Brussels sprouts now because they, they don't bear till the end of the year. Uh, but right okay. now, you know, people are putting out their tomatoes, their peppers, their cucumbers, their right. warm-weather crops. Right. So was last year your first year? It was the first year. Yeah. Oh, then don't worry about any failures. That was a learning okay. year. Um, <laughs> this year, spread more fresh compost on the surface of okay. your soil. Uh, okay. Spread the plants out more. You will get more produce from two tomato plants that have airspace between them than eight tomato plants crowded together. You okay. Good support, good airflow. Make sure you can put your hands in between plants. Plants should not be okay. leaning against each other or touching each other. And just okay. keep an eye on the garden. There's a garden hose there, right? Yeah. If you see insects on your crops, again, get the hose, turn it to its sharpest setting, and just blast them off with sharp streams of water. All right. Thank you so much. All right. Good luck, Ash. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Rodale Institute. Since 1947, the Rodale Institute has been growing the organic movement through research, farmer training, and consumer education. Learn more about local events, workshops, and tours at rodaleinstitute.org. The Rodale Institute, because the future is organic. Hey, boy. Hey, boy. Where's the ball? Where's the ball? <gasps> Ready? Go get it, boy. That's a good boy. Drop it. Drop it. Good boy. Good boy. Loyal partners. Throughout life, you have many different partners. Shouldn't you have one for the most important aspect of life? Your health. Lehigh Valley Health Network. Your health deserves a partner. Learn more at lvhn.org. Well, it's time for me to take a little break and announce that I will return to the city of brotherly love, bad parking, cheesesteaks, and soft pretzels on Tuesday, July 16th to host an evening of horticultural quizzo at the PHS Pop-Up Garden on South Street. But don't go looking for all the details at the events section of our website just yet because we'll be right back with the power of Rosemary and more of your powerful phone calls. I'm Mike McGrath, and you're listening to You Bet Your Garden from PBS 39 in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania.
Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma Natural Gardening Community can be found at ESPOMA.com. Welcome back to You Bet Your Garden. From PBS 39 in the beautiful Christmas city of Bethlehem, PA, I'm your host, Mike McGrath, and we're in the stretch now, cats and kittens. In just a little bit, we will discuss whether rosemary will deter pests from landing on your plants and get involved in the plants that do have the best pest control potential if you use them correctly. And that information is coming up after a couple more of your fabulous phone calls at 833-727-9588. Susan, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Thank you. I'm excited to be on. Thanks. I'm excited to have you here, Suze. Where are you? Uh, Malvern, Pennsylvania, um, in an old farmhouse that has a lot of mature landscaping. Oh, okay. Very cool. Malvern, a suburb of Philadelphia. Um, And this is um, an old new house for us. We've only been in for two months, so we're learning how to tame the yard, Uh which is considerable. And I have a question. Um, I have two questions if you have time, but the more compelling one involves... um, a little bit of a dispute in the family of whether you use mulch or wood chips or or neither. Um, and then the second, if you have time, is about how to keep um, quince from basically taking over the entire yard. Ah, okay. Well, let, let's linger on that wood chip question for a while. <laughs> okay. um, uh, people misuse these terms all over the place. Mulch is anything that covers the surface of the soil uh, to prevent weeds and keep moisture around the root system of plants. Um, It doesn't need to be any kind of wood. And dyed mulches, the colored mulches, the wood mulches, are especially nasty because the dye is there to confuse you about what the wood used to be. Maybe it's old pressure-treated wood. Uh, Maybe it's construction debris. But the reason that wood gets soaked with different colors is so you can't tell what it used to be. Arborists mulch, the chippings and the branch chippings that are collected by tree trimming crews. That's a much more acceptable type of, quote, wood mulch. But most of these wood mulches uh, are only seen up here on the East Coast. As you go further south, Uh, People will be using pine straw and pine fines, which are the bottom of the pile of pine straw. Um, You can also use black, beautiful compost as a mulch. It retains soil moisture just as well as wood chips. Or you can collect and shred all your fall leaves and put those in plastic bags. Once you shred them, they break down to one-tenth their volume. You can save up a lot of leaves in one bag. Um, and use those shredded leaves the following year. But uh, the question is, you know, I'm hearing, do you need mulch? What, what, what do you want to use it for? Well, um, I just spent five hours weeding on Sunday, and I don't want to do that every Sunday. Um, and you should know that we are about to have three large stumps of, a locust, of locust trees ground. So what I'm hearing you say is we could actually use those, and that would be okay to put to like cover, I just want to prevent weeds and do what's best for these plants. There's like azalea, quince, 
um, a hydrangea. The azaleas you want to mulch with an inch of milled peat moss covered with an inch of compost. Um, the other the other plants you mentioned, you can, you can use some arborist mulch, but to try to get, well, it, it, any, anything is better than the dyed mulch. Don't let any mulch touch the plants. Always start three to six inches away from the stalk or the trunk of the plant and then run the mulch out as far as you believe the root system goes. That's, that's the correct way of mulching. Never spread the mulch deeper than one or two inches. And again, never let it touch a plant, but keep it away from the hydrangeas and the azaleas. Those would prefer uh, a mulch of compost or shredded leaves. You know, the, okay, the whole good. thing with wood mulching only, has only popped up in the past couple of decades when landfills wouldn't accept wood waste anymore. Before that, you never saw people with yards the color of an exploded Burger King. <laughs> well, there's a lot of that in my neighborhood. So I know I that. We're going we're gonna to buck the trend then and go with compost. Yeah, compost uh, is, is the perfect mulch in a three-university study, Ohio State University, um, the University of Kentucky, Iowa State, at multiple sites at, at each university, two inches of yard waste compost, not composted manure now, two inches of yard waste compost prevented weeds better than two inches of dyed black mulch and the plants in the compost thrive, whereby the ones in the dyed mulch uh, died. Okay, so we'll do that, and when we get leaves, well, we have tons of weeds now, so to shred them, do you just run them through the lawnmower, right? You and can run them bag. through a bagging lawnmower, or any electric leaf blower has a reverse setting and comes with a collection bag, and that way you can just, you know, suck them up off the ground while you're standing. These things all have mulching ratios, so if you buy a high-end uh, leaf blower vacuum, it may have a mulching ratio of 20, which literally means you could put 20 bags of whole leaves into a single bag once they're shredded. Although the best time to mulch your garden is when the leaves are coming down. You just don't want to let the whole leaves lay down because they smother plants. Now, you mentioned before, i got to bring this back up, you mentioned before you were going to have black locusts ground down to the soil line. Yes. So You we realize you can't that? plant anything there after that. I didn't realize that. Well, because so there's a plug the in the toxic? ground. There's this giant underground trunk and root system. Right, okay. So yeah. if I you wanted to use that for replanting right away, you got to get the stumps pulled. And landscapers don't like to do that. That's a lot of work. So they, they sell you on this idea of grinding down. And, you know, again, if you do have a crowded landscape, yes, the biggest thing you can do is start removing plants so that you can see the good ones. Uh, but just be aware that uh, black locust also has a habit of regrowing. So, oh, that would be bad. <laughs> well, you know, it, it is a beautiful hardwood. It's a rot-resistant wood like cedar and redwood. It's very useful, um, but just, you know, that's, that's why most people who want to get rid of black locust have the stumps pulled so that it doesn't keep coming back, and then, again, they can plant in that spot. What if they're going down 12 inches, not far enough? You truly have to get the whole stump out? Yeah, because you, you don't have x-ray vision. You don't know. Um, 
you know, know what's going on there. But uh, yeah, the deeper they grind it, uh, the less chance of regrowth and the more area you'll have to plant something there in the future. Okay. All right. Good. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right, Susan. It. Good luck. All right. As promised, it is time for the question of the week. Is rosemary an insect repelling plant? Janice in Mesquite, Texas writes, what insects does rosemary repel? I'm thinking about planting it among my flowers. Well, insect repelling plants are a perennial topic, but one that we have not yet addressed on this new version of our show. And it's a great topic for this time of year, so let's have at it. First, there are very few, if any, plants that can repel insect pests just sitting around in the garden. Now, because of its pungency, resinousness, and woody nature, rosemary itself has few to zero insect problems. But that's not going to translate to neighborhood protection, at least in normal amounts. You might be able to protect a small group of plants by surrounding them with a circle of rosemary, but that doesn't sound very practical. However, there are tremendous advantages to just plain growing rosemary. Although the winter climate in Mesquite, Texas is not as mild as most people would suspect, it rarely drops below freezing for any length of time, which means that you can probably grow rosemary year-round outdoors as long as the soil drains well and the plant is not crowded with other plants. Rosemary really likes good dry airflow. And the official meteorological term for mesquite's humidity levels in July and August is, quote, miserable. That's one step below oppressive. Now, two great uses for this plant stand out. The first is its ability to make people more alert, especially when they're really tired. The second is the possibility of its potent phytonutrients to stave off dementia. As my dear departed friend, retired USDA researcher Dr. James Duke liked to say, Sage will not make you sage, but rosemary will. It is, quote, the herb of remembrance. So it wakes you up when you're tired, improves your memory, and may help you stave off dementia. And all you got to do is prune off a sprig, rough it up, and inhale that unmistakable aroma. All right, back to insects. Remember those ads for the famous mosquito-repelling plant? They showed a couple dining at a table outside with a potted plant in between them and angry mosquitoes spinning away faster than a vampire who sees the sun coming up. Now, no plant in a pot can do that, but the famous mosquito repelling plant actually does repel mosquitoes. It's a lemon-scented geranium, and virtually all lemon-scented flowers and herbs have the ability to repel mosquitoes. If you crush up the leaves and rub them on your exposed skin, they're nature's insect repellent. In well-controlled medical studies, lemon thyme, that's T-H-Y-M-E, was the clear winner among garden herbs. Crushed and rubbed on the skin, lemon thyme repelled mosquitoes just as well and for just as long as some concentrations of the chemical repellent DEET. And lemon thyme is a beautiful plant with variegated leaves and a nice trailing habit that makes it perfect for hanging baskets in rock gardens. But alas, it is a small plant, 
and you'd have to grow a lot of it to get a summer's worth of natural mosquito protection. That's why I personally grow lemon balm, B-A-L-M. Yeah, it is a member of the mint family that spreads like wild, if not controlled, but it works well against mosquitoes, has a wonderful lemony fragrance, and the plants are big enough to easily grow a whole summer supply. When you need to use it, just clip off some branches, turn them upside down, strip the leaves off, and then crush and rub. Back to rosemary. There are several excellent natural mosquito repellents on the market. The one with the most science and best retail distribution is called Repel Lemon Eucalyptus. Studies have shown it to be as effective as some fairly strong concentrations of DEET. And lemon eucalyptus, unlike DEET, is non-toxic. Many herbalists who blend their own sprays almost always use lemon eucalyptus or lemon thyme as the main active ingredient, mixed with essences of other plants that have shown prevention potential, including catnip, peppermint, lavender, and, yes, rosemary. Now, some really necessary words of caution. There's no potential harm in inhaling the fragrance of live rosemary or lemon balm as aromatherapy. The noted natural physician, Dr. Andy Weil, once told me that he felt that inhaling fresh lemon balm was a much better cure for depression than St. John's wort. But rubbing plant material on your skin is another thing entirely. So before you slather anything all over yourself, crush up a small amount of the plant in question and just rub it on a small section of your arm to make sure that you're not going to have an allergic or irritant reaction. Never use the undiluted essential oils of these plants on your skin. They can be highly corrosive. The essential oils sold in health food stores are highly concentrated and must be diluted with large amounts of a carrier, like almond oil, to be used safely. If you want to learn how to do this, take classes with an herbalist. Do not rely on internet misinformation. And finally, don't confuse lemon-scented herbs with real lemons. The peels of oranges and lemons are highly reactive with human skin especially if that skin is then exposed to sunlight. Vacationers often learn this the hard way when they play a game that involves passing lemons and oranges to each other without using their hands. The result doctors call cruise ship rash. Well, that sure was some interesting advice on how to improve your memory and not get bit by Skeeters now, wasn't it? Luckily for those of you who wish to read it over in detail, the question of the week appears in print at the Gardens Alive website. Just click the link for the question of the week at our website, which is still and will forever be YouBetYourGarden.org. Gardens Alive supports the You Bet Your Garden question of the week, and you'll always find the latest question of the week at the Gardens Alive website. Yikes, my producer is threatening to rip out my rosemary if I don't get out of this studio. We must be out of time. But you can call us anytime at 833-727-9588 or send us your email. You're tired, you're poor, you're wretched refuse. Teaming towards our garden shore at ybyg at wlvt.org. And please, please include your location. And by the way, in the subject line, 
Don't say question from Mike. They're all questions from Mike, okay? You'll find all of our contact information, plus answers to your garden questions, audio of this show, video of this show, audio and video of recent shows, and links to our internationally renowned podcast at our website. You know, it's YouBetYourGarden.org. You Bet Your Garden is a half-hour public television show and an hour-long public radio show and podcast, all produced and delivered to you weekly by WLVT, PBS 39 in Bethlehem, PA. Our radio show is distributed by PRX, the Public Radio Exchange. I'd like to exchange Kenny Queter, who plays our theme song. Our chief content officer is Yoni Greenbaum. Our engineer is cheerful Charlie Sarah. Our social media director is Amanda McGrath. Check out her fine work at the You Bet Your Garden Facebook page. Tavia Minnick works the phones. Our website wonder is Anastasia Weckerly. Our audio editor is Jazzy Jonas Bowen. Our video editors are Concrete Kelly Hurd and Judicious Jake Boyer. Our forgetful floor manager is John DeSantis. Our always alert director is harassed and harried Javier Diaz. Regal Ron Ruscha is our director of underwriting. Our marketing madman is Jaunty Jim McDonald. Our chief techno officer is Andy Cummins. Zach the Tackwisneski is in the house. Our CEO Tim Fallon is not our executive producer, is late for a meeting, and has forgotten where he parked his car. I'm your host, Mike McGrath, and thanks to my year-round growing of rosemary, I know exactly where I left my car. Right, yeah, right under that big sign that said, don't even think of parking here. Hmm. Oh well, I can always get a lift from an Uber and see you again next week. Hey boy, hey boy, where's the ball? Where's the ball? <gasps> Ready? Get it, boy. That's a good boy. Drop it. Drop it. Good boy. Good boy. Loyal partners. Throughout life, you have many different partners. Shouldn't you have one for the most important aspect of life? Your health. Lehigh Valley Health Network. Your health deserves a partner. Learn more at lvhn.org. What fascinating topic are we going to cover for you next time around? I'm Mike McGrath, and on the next You Bet Your Garden, I have no idea. We just know that it'll be fun and that I will probably get into trouble. Plus your fabulous phone calls.